It's Wednesday, May 16th. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of the FSLSO Palmcast, a brand new podcast from the Florida Surplus Line Service Office, featuring industry news, special guests, and more. I'm your host, Jordan Morrow. Today, our guest David Holcomb joins us by telephone. David is the former Director of Risk Management for NASCAR and the International Speedway Corporation. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Could you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born in uh, Sarasota, Florida, and when I was a couple years old, my, my parents moved to Orlando, and pretty much, other than a like a four-year stay at college uh, and a little bit of a stay with Allstate Insurance Company in St. Petersburg, I've spent the rest of my life in Central Florida. I uh, graduated from University of South Florida in Tampa. I've always been in the insurance industry from a direct writer like Allstate. Then I became an independent agent in Orlando. And uh, at that time, I started uh, teaching CPCU classes after I got my designation. And then in 1988, I uh, applied for a risk management job at NASCAR and ISC. And uh, after a rather lengthy elimination process, I was selected. That's great. Okay. Now, you were the director of risk management for the International Speedway Corporation and NASCAR for 30 years. How did you get started in that position? Okay, it's, it's kind of interesting. At least it is to me. As I said, I was uh, teaching the risk management section of CPCU, and I, I really liked and felt that that was where I should be other than selling it. And uh, so went put a resume together. And one morning on a Sunday, my wife is looking through the job ads for uh, the Sunday paper, and she just looks up at me and goes, uh, your job is in this paper. And I went, well, what are you talking about? She says, it says, large national auto racing organization seeks risk manager for International Speedway Corporation NASCAR. And I went, yeah, well, that's my job. And uh, so I went ahead and got my resume together and shipped it off. The company, NASCAR and ISC, had hired a risk management called consulting company. And um, after different kind of interviews, phone and live or whatever, they, they offered me the job in September of 1988. So what about that position when you saw it in the newspaper was so attractive to you? Well, I'd gone to several NASCAR races. It was more of a technical like of the sport, not necessarily. I wouldn't call myself a fanatic, but uh, I certainly liked it. So it just, how can I get it go wrong? It was something I really liked, plus I liked the risk management side and put two together, and yeah. it was a no-lose situation. Now, what were some of the overarching responsibilities that you had as director during your time? Well, it, when I first started, I was a department of one. They never had a risk manager before. They would tell me, no problem, because we didn't have faxes and we didn't have any of that kind of stuff. They said, just find one of the secretaries who was not doing anything, and She'll type a letter for you, whatever. Well, they certainly learned not to make eye contact with me because it became difficult to get anybody to do that. When I started, we had three tracks, Daytona, Talladega, and Darlington. Now they have 12 tracks, an amusement company and, and a whole bunch of those. It's grown tremendously. And the department that I oversaw had about five people in it. You mentioned that you had a background in insurance long before working with ISC and NASCAR, but did you have any experience working in motorsports prior to this, or was it just attending some of the races and things like that? 
there was uh, other than reading about it, listening to it on the radio, and watching it in person. That was the only experience I had. So you were just a huge fan who uh, got a shot and made it work. Yes. That's fantastic. Moving on, how has risk management and analysis changed in motorsports and NASCAR from when you started back in 1998 up until now? Well, in the early years, we were fully insured. By that, I mean we did not have deductibles or SIRs. So the insurance companies pretty much, since it was their money, they offered the different programs and we would decide which ones we wanted. There wasn't a lot of electronic analysis back in the early days, which is it's a lot different now. You can come up and get programs to help you decide on what, what your best self-insured retention would be, all kinds of stuff. So it's much more technical now than it was when I first started. What were some of the biggest challenges that you think you faced over the course of your career? A motorsports insurer is, uh, there aren't many of them, let me put it that way. It's only two or three. So you, if you have problems with claims and you, what they call loss ratio is bad, you don't have a whole world of insurance companies out there willing to jump in. So the big challenge was loss control and getting the various tracks to understand that we own that claim and that it's not somebody else's money because about in 2003, we wound up having to go with a, a, an SIR, which was modest. We'd love to have that now. But it meant that when there was somebody injured, at least for the first few thousands of dollars, it was, it was our money. And that was the important thing was getting everybody all the way down to the guy who was mowing the grass to understand that if you make a mistake and you're, you're negligent in what you're doing, that it could result in somebody getting hurt. And if it's, somebody gets hurt, the company is paying the money, not some big insurance company. And that now, the company has a very large self-insured retention, and it's even more important now to keep that philosophy going. You mentioned SIRs. Can you explain what those are? An SIR is a lot like a deductible. In other words, you're sharing, as a company, you're sharing in that claim. And you'll be the first one to pay toward that and help the claimant versus the insurance company. And then once you reach a certain amount of money that's predetermined in the policy, then the, then the insurance company takes over. It's, it's very similar to deductible, close, but not exactly. Let me go back real quick on something. One of the big challenges that we and the other uh, track companies that are out there is there is a tremendous push for revenue. Everybody wants you to increase your, your returns especially if you're publicly traded. And so our track people are very, very creative in things they want to do, which may not be, from a risk management point of view, the greatest thing in the world. But they're trying to increase the fan involvement and making it a great experience. So it's a constant negotiation. As In other words, the first conversation usually starts out with, you want to do what? And then working around to try to come up with some way to accomplish their goals. Is the International Speedway Corporation publicly traded? Yes, it is. Now, the interesting thing is ISC is publicly traded. NASCAR is a family-owned company. So the two have to be completely separate. They're what's called related parties. So they actually, both companies have their own set of officers and directors, and their philosophies are a lot different. So I imagine over the course of your career, there was probably some 
obstacles you face with working with both NASCAR and ISC and their differences and their how they're built as companies? Yes, you would have ISC wanting one thing and NASCAR wanting another, and then the risk management department sitting between the two, working for both, and having to tell one of them you're wrong. But it worked out. It's been pretty successful. So what did you have to do in those types of situations where it seemed like you were caught in the middle of two companies who wanted very different or opposing things? Well, usually one of us in the department would take one side and the other would take the other side and we'd kind of argue it out, make sure that we were very comfortable in our stance. And then basically you, uh, you kicked it upstairs and then you let the senior people on each of the companies decide. Yeah, it sounds like that probably put you in a tough spot from time to time. Occasionally it was, yes. What were some of the specific changes or implementations that you made to ISC during your tenure as risk management director? The biggest was the uh, implementing the self-insured retention program, which required a lot of analysis, and that's when we got into coming up with the uh, ideal amount of the SIR and, and especially loss control. And the emphasis then became on loss control. The other focus was, the big focus became also on workplace safety because the federal government obviously has upped its oversight for injuries to employees. From experience, I can tell you, you don't want to deal with OSHA if you don't have to. What's an example of a strange or unusual problem that you dealt with during your career with ISC? Well, let me go back to the workplace safety. This was not a fun unusual, but it was, uh, we had an employee that was struck and killed on the, in Daytona by a race car. And within 24 hours, there was an OSHA representative standing uh, at my door. And really? that was a very trying experience. One, I knew the person who was killed, knew his family. And then trying to uh, mitigate as much as possible uh, what OSHA was threatening to do. And uh, yeah. it, it was a very unusual, thank goodness it's never happened again, and I hope it never does. Some of the other things were, I would, <laughs> most of it comes out of, I attended all the races at one time or another. Now it's usually about half. And that's dealing with injured parties. There's just so many unusual activities taking place in the infield, which is where they camp uh, during the weekend, which is Thursday through uh, Sunday. And you just never know. We had a motorhome that came through the tunnel, and the tunnel wasn't properly marked, and it ripped the roof off the motorhome, and it was a summer race, and it was hot. It was in Alabama, and you'd, I'm standing in this guy's brand-new Winnebago and looking up at the sky. And so they didn't want to go to a hotel. They wanted to stay in their slightly altered motorhome. And uh, so we brought in fans and, and uh, extra food and ice and, and uh, kept them as reasonably comfortable as we could until we could uh, work out a settlement after the race was over. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, looking back on your time with ISC and NASCAR, what are some of your proudest moments? Probably the implementation of the many safety programs. We now have a company person that does that stuff separate from what I did. The self-insured retention was a big one. Uh, and I think it was 99, I was uh, 
named to the Business Insurance Magazine's Risk Manager of the Year Honor Roll for Small Businesses. And I've served on some RIMS boards and, and things like that. But it's the overall, I'm very comfortable with the analysis that uh, the programs my department put together will result in a pretty big savings to the company. You mentioned that over the years they hired a, a safety professional. Does that person work under the risk management director in your division? Yes. He was the assistant. They came up with a different title. I don't remember what it was. But he was a key member of the department. What kinds of liability issues come with motorsports racing that the average person might not be aware of? Well, it's a, a diverse weekend when they come. You obviously, you're thinking, okay, we got 34 to 40 cars going around at 200 miles an hour, and something could come out of that. And yes, it has. Occasionally it does. But overall, most of the claim money over the years has been due to pretty much more normal stuff, trip and falls. Now, one of the things that people that come just don't realize, even though it's right there in front of them, that the racetracks have to create a city of up to 200,000 people for four days. They have to have a fire department and a police department, sewer water. They have a, an emergency room with emergency room doctors and nurses 24 hours a day, four days. Anything that the city of 200,000 people have to provide, we do too, and we know we only do it for four days and then send everybody home. So any of the liabilities that come with the municipality basically come with a racetrack putting on an event. you got to have malpractice insurance for the doctors. you got to have make sure you have product liability for all the hot dogs. you got to have liquor liability for the copious amounts of alcohol it's served. And all that has to come together and be in place prior to the first person stepping foot on property. So it sounds like there's a tremendous amount of moving parts involved with just putting on a, one single weekend. On top of having all these cars racing around the track at 200 miles an hour, you have to provide all the amenities and safety means that a city hosting 200,000 people would do. That's a lot to look over. It is. And there's an example is there's a lot of displays. And we do not let anybody on the property until we have the agreed-upon certificate of insurance and the proper amount and making sure oh, there's thousands of those things. That all has to be in place and approved before we open the gates on Thursday. So as your career passed on from uh, 1988 up until when you retired recently, how did the staff that you were overseeing, how did they grow? Because you mentioned when you started it was just a kind of a one-man department. What happened with the, the size of your staff over the course of those 30 years? The good thing about it is uh, we still had, we had five people back in 99 when, when I went through that risk management honor roll thing. And we got five now, or they do. Uh, and it's because there's so much more that it's mechanized now. And we use some part-timers that come in that just want to work on the event weekends, which has been very helpful. So obviously each person's got a lot more to do, but we also have a lot more mechanical assistance. By that, I mean computer programs and, and printers, and, and there's companies out there that you can pay that, that chase your certificates for you. I think everybody works harder than they did before, but they also work smarter. So even with all the advances in technology and things like that, you still only grew from a team of one to a team of five. Uh, having to look over all the coverages for the cars and the people coming and the events and things like that, thanks to automation, you were able to support the tremendous growth that you experienced. Yes. 
The International Speedway Corporation and One Daytona also operates a retail, dining, and entertainment development across from Daytona International Speedway. How did these amenities influence the scope of your job? You know, they didn't have a uh, large impact. We had already, we had to use uh, construction type of uh, insurance, and but we've been doing that when we built racetracks. So we knew about the builder's risk, we knew about the uh, contractor controlled uh, OSIP plans, and so it really wasn't that bad. There's, it's more static. It's not exactly like uh, running an event. And there's some very professional insurance companies out there that deal in, in large uh, construction projects. And once they're finished, FM Global happens to be one of them. But uh, so it really didn't have a big impact. By the way, it's pretty cool. I've been over there. It sounds like it. I'm going to have to check it out at some point. One of the upcoming events in Daytona is NASCAR Day. Can you tell us a little bit about that? NASCAR has a, uh, they support, let me put it this way, a company called NASCAR Foundation. It's one of the departments of NASCAR, and their purpose is to raise money for various charities. Kind of like the NFL charities, it's basically that same thing. And, and they raise millions of dollars. NASCAR Day is a way for the tracks to support the NASCAR Foundation. There's, you know, like in Daytona, they bring in a bunch of food trucks, we give the, the employees the afternoon off if they buy a NASCAR pin and that money goes to the foundation and then there's other some of the tracks even have a NASCAR day where you come in they'll wash your car on pit road and let you take a little zip around the track uh, under a pace car condition so the tracks are very creative but that's what they're doing is they're they're creating a day to raise money for the NASCAR foundation it sounds like a day where everyone comes together and tries to work towards one common goal and uh, really make a big impact. Yes. The drivers, the team owners, everybody gets involved in the NASCAR Foundation Day. That's fantastic. After 30 years, you retired from working full-time with International Speed Corporation earlier this year, but you still provide some consulting services. What kinds of consulting do you do now? Well, <laughs> uh, all our major insurance renews in January, January 1, December 15th to January 1. And uh, so being that I'd been doing it for 30 years, that was where I got involved, was making sure that they're comfortable. And now there is a replacement for me. So it uh, was a little bit easier. The other area that I'm working in now is mostly in uh, at-event claims handling. I was just at Talladega two weeks ago. Uh, because I've been dealing with those people so long, it's, it's uh, an easy thing for me to do. I'll be riding off into the sunset very quickly. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Dave. It was really great speaking with you. Absolutely, my pleasure. That's it for this episode. I'm Jordan Morrow. Be sure to stay up to date on all things Palmcast by following us on Twitter at FSLSO. Join us next time, and thanks for listening.